It's time for Tycoons of Small Biz, spotlighting the true backbone of the American economy, the true tycoons of business in America, the owners, founders, and CEOs of small businesses. The show's hosts, Austin Peterson and Landon Mance, are registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker-dealer, member SIPC, and registered investment advisor. The views expressed by your hosts, Austin and Landon, are not necessarily the views of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Let's lean in as Austin and Landon connect with this week's Tycoons. Good afternoon, Tycoons, and welcome to today's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. I'm here, as always, Austin Peterson with my co-host, Landon Mance, coming to us from Las Vegas, Nevada. And we've got Ryan Weissmuller back on the show today with Fintrepid Solutions, who is the only one actually in studio today. Landon and I have both uh, had COVID in our families, and so we are avoiding the studio for now for the safety of Karen and everybody else in the building. But we are excited to have Ryan in studio and on the show today. And I'm going to have Landon explain a little bit about the show and our relationship with Ryan going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Ryan, thank you for uh, making yourself available. So we are having Ryan uh, back on the show today. He was uh, kind enough to give us some more of his time uh, because uh, recent legislation that has been released, uh, specifically business owner relief programs. We're going to talk mostly about the PPP, but uh, Ryan has uh, really become an advocate of the of the show here, a really important and valuable resource to our listeners, to our clients, to Austin and myself. So uh, we're really excited to have Ryan back on the show. So Ryan, thank you for uh, coming back and joining us today. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here again. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Pleasure is all ours. So, Ryan, a lot going on right now with uh, PPP and the idle PPP round two versus round one. A lot of different moving parts. So, um, maybe we just start at the beginning. You know, what are the key pieces that uh, we all need to be aware of as small business owners? of the recent you know, government bills, legislation that's been passed for, for small businesses, maybe that's a good place for us to start. Sure. Um, well, and, and the first thing I would say in kicking it all off is, is there is a ton involved in the bill overall. So, so you know, we'll, we'll try and touch on a lot of the high points that apply to most businesses, but there's some real targeted funding relief and other things. Um, so, so by no means exhaustive, but really the, the big pieces out of it, one would be a reopening and expansion of the PPP program, which you touched on. So PPP one can be applied for again for businesses who didn't apply for it originally and 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 could have or should have, and then uh, the creation of a second round of of PPP for um, businesses that have been harder hit and, and need that relief. There's some qualifications for it, which we can certainly talk through. But but at a high level, creation of those two programs uh, and opening up almost three hundred billion dollars of of additional funds for small businesses. So that without question, was a huge win that, that a lot of businesses have been waiting for for a long time. Some of the other big changes, um, and, and one, one huge change was uh, PPP forgiveness. So they uh, actually released a streamlined app for anyone who got a loan of $150,000 or less. 
for a ton of small businesses out there, that was going to be a huge administrative burden to go through the process, um, to, to collect that information, to submit that information, to go through a bank. So now there is just a simple one-page app that has to be submitted. And that was 87% of all loans that were approved were under $150,000. So that is a big, big win for Main Street. No changes, unfortunately, to larger loans. There was some hope for that. But that in of itself was a, was a big change and affects the vast, vast majority of loans. And then a number of tax changes. And the biggest one being that, that the PPP expenses, so anything that was used with the funds of a PPP loan, are now tax deductible. There was, um, for anyone who was paying attention for a while there, the IRS came out and ruled that if you, if you got a PPP loan, we weren't going to tax you on the amount of that loan if it was forgiven, but you couldn't deduct the expenses. Well, now that bill made that law. So in effect, uh, business owners aren't going to be penalized. And, and really where that was going to leave a lot of companies is you needed this money to bridge you and get by. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to have a tax bill next April that you're actually going to have to give some of that money that you spent back. So, uh, again, huge win for small business there. Um, a number of other things. So there were some other tax credits that have been extended, uh, tax credits that you had to pick and choose, some payroll tax credits. of so If you got a PPP loan, you couldn't get these other payroll tax credits. The key I'm going to say with all that is talk to your tax accountant before making decisions on any of those things. But there were a number of other tax changes. The deductibility should be pretty universal. And, and then just some other, uh, some other, I guess, ones to point out. So there's some additional programs through the SBA. So for companies who are applying for new financing, you can actually get up to six months of payments basically paid for by the government, up to $9,000. So that's a big win for companies that are maybe looking to get some new financing this year. Um, I think you have to apply before the end of March, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, as long as the funds are available, that's a nice option for some additional relief. Uh, and then there's some specific targeted programs for, for businesses uh, in the entertainment space, uh, certain venues, airlines. There was a, a bucket of money targeted the travel industry. So those are, in general, those things are going to apply to most businesses. But it was, um, I, I think I read this as the longest bill in text in the history of the U.S. government. So there's there's a lot more meat there. And I'm not going to tell you I've read through every, every I read through a lot more than I wanted to of it, but uh, I didn't read every every word. So I want to go back real quick to simple forgiveness because I know they were supposed to have the uh, the one page you know application out by tomorrow. Are you telling us that it's out and on the SBA website, or where would somebody go to for that? Or you don't know the answer yet? It, it's not out. At least it wasn't out as of uh, me hopping in the car to head over here uh, for the show. You are correct. There were there were uh, time parameters in the bill on when various things had to come out. I have not yet seen that one page app. It will be released by the SBA. The applications uh, to apply for new money have been out for, I want to say, a week, 10 days maybe. Um, but that app for simple forgiveness has not been released yet. Um, it, it is it is mandated in the law that it is one page. So it should be very simple. I, I think we know in general what's going to be contained in it, but that app has not yet been released to my knowledge. Okay. Yeah, that's that's that was my understanding too. But something you said made me think that it was that you'd heard it was out. So. Just, we know the details. We just haven't seen it on paper. I mean, I probably should have been more surprised that the government was early on something. That was what I heard when you said it. So I thought I would ask the point of yeah, clarification. Good, good clarification. Yeah. yeah, right. I wanted to just reiterate something just to make sure that um, we are all clear because as, as you know, Ryan, Austin and I focus on serving private business owners. We have clients that got the first round of PPP for as small as, you know, 10 and 15,000. And we have clients that got 
loans, you know, well over, you know, a million dollars. But you mentioned now that the PPP proceeds, uh, as long as you, um, well, let me say that differently. Uh, PPP proceeds, um, as long as they were used for legitimate uh, qualified business expenses, uh, now those proceeds now, the expenses that were incurred are deductible, right? Correct. Okay. So, so, so to give, so just to give a quick example, and let's say you got a hundred thousand dollar PPP loan, and you spend that a hundred thousand dollars on payroll. Before this bill, you would have not paid tax on the hundred thousand dollar income, the loan, when it got forgiven. But you couldn't deduct the payroll. Now you can deduct the hundred thousand dollars of payroll plus, with the loan being forgiven, you're not paying tax on that either. So there is basically no tax impact whatsoever of of the funds or what you use it for. Yeah. Which uh, I mean is is huge. You know, mm-hmm. I had I've got one client that owns uh, several fast food uh, franchises, and he got a substantial loan. And really, these last nine, ten months, it's been this juggling act because he really he didn't know whether or not he was going to have to, or whether or not he'd really be able to deduct those expenses. Because and we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars that were just floating up in the unknown because he didn't know whether or not he's going to be able to deduct those expenses. So that real, I mean, that's huge. Yeah. That, that one, that one was one of the big game changers. And, and like you said, I mean, even I was actually just speaking to a client of ours last week who didn't even know that was part of the bill. So I, I, I don't know that everyone realizes that that's, that's out there, but that, that is a, that's a very big win for small business for sure. Because not everybody's going to be able to get additional money. Everybody that was involved in PPP can take advantage of that. That's great news for the business community. Let's talk a little bit about um, the new PPP, you know, version two. Uh, you alluded to the fact that I do believe there are stricter mm-hmm. uh, qualifications, you know, in order to receive the PPP and then ultimately uh, receive forgiveness. So, uh, can we talk a little bit about? you know, PPP round two. Sure. And, and, and I think an important point too, and, and there's really, there's multiple aspects of it that, that were in this new bill. And I've even heard sometimes people jumble them together. So let me, let me just break it down to be extremely clear. So, so basically PPP one, that original program is essentially just reopened. There's, there's money available for someone who, who wants to apply needs to, um, and, and maybe just didn't in that original, uh, the original go round. The second piece, and and you you don't hear this one talked about much either, but we actually have a client that's in this situation, is they applied for the a loan the first go round, but actually didn't get the full amount they were eligible for. You can actually reapply. So so even if you're not eligible for additional financing, you can reapply to get the max amount you should have gotten. And then the the third leg of the stool, if you will, is this is this true PPP two, which is a a fully new program for the hardest hit businesses. And and so really what the what the government's done is these industries that and, and companies that have been particularly hard hit, and the other thing that that I think is is a is a of noting in this is the maximum loan amounts in PPP two are two million dollars. So there was a lot of bad press around some of these public companies and other companies getting ten million dollars out of PPP while you know small businesses were striking out. They've really targeted this at 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 Main Street. So specifically, it's a two million dollar cap. Companies have to have three hundred employees or less. 
and and a lot of the a lot of the other particulars around it function largely the same, but you have to have a twenty five percent basically year over year decline in revenue, and that's measured. You can either measure that for the full year or just measure that in a quarter. So for a lot of businesses, they're going to take Q two twenty twenty against Q two twenty nineteen. Odds are for most companies that's going to be their biggest hit. As long as they had revenue declined by twenty five percent or more. And, and meet those other criteria, they're eligible for those, for those funds. And just like the first round, it's, it's basically two and a half times or 10 weeks of payroll is how the calcul- calculation is done. So you can look at, and, and another key point here, either full 2020 calendar year average payroll or full 2019. So maybe for a business that hasn't hired all of their people back in 2020, where 2020 is still going to be a little bit skewed, you can go back to fiscal 2019 uh, and pull um, pull an average monthly payroll that way, multiply that by two and a half, and that's your loan amount. So that's an interesting point. You said, you know, people who haven't brought, you know, a certain number of employees back, they had, say they had 25 employees in Q2 2019. In Q2 2020, they had that many as well, but now they've got six, mm-hmm. right? So the early version of the PPP, the the intent was to keep them on payroll. Correct. Right? But 10 weeks of payroll for a lot of companies was not enough for them to actually keep people on payroll. So they, they had to go from 25 to six. And yeah, they're still open and they're still kind of surviving. But even now, it's getting tough to keep those six on payroll. So talk to us a little bit about the guidelines, because originally you had to keep them on payroll for that forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So where are we now in terms of forgiveness and keeping people on payroll and all those sorts of things? Yeah. So, so the forms, the forms themselves are much more simplified. Mm-hmm. And, and really, I think this one has been, if you, this is me reading into it a little bit, but I'll give you my take on it. So, so the original loan, Austin, you were hundred percent right. They were putting that out there to basically keep folks on payroll. And that's why they distributed the money they did. In this second round, it's been far more focused and almost I'd almost say it's kind of making up for loss damage because this bill has been talked about, I mean, going back for months. This is not new. It just finally got passed, uh, you know, at the end of December. So really what they're trying to do is for those industries that got really, really hard hit, provide them some additional relief. You don't have a lot of those restrictions. There's still the certifications that you have to make. But in terms of proving a lot of that out, those requirements aren't there the same way they were on PPP1 where... Uh, you know, again, your forgiveness got got reduced if you you know if you reduce payroll by too many uh, you know headcount by too much, or um, a lot of that has been simplified and taken out of this second round. So the application is is fairly simple, fairly straightforward. Um, and the other nice thing these days is payroll companies have gotten wise to it all, and they've actually got payroll reports that make this super easy for most business owners too, where they don't even have to do a lot of the math. So yeah. it's the, the process overall is much, much more streamlined than it was, you know, way back in the throes of all this. Gotcha. Yeah, that, I, I think that's great to hear. I mean, you think about all the businesses that had every intention of keeping everybody employed, but when the money ran out mm-hmm. and the business hadn't recovered, well, what are you going to do? I mean, you, you've essentially got to cut anywhere that you can and you try to keep the doors open and, you know, it's, I think philosophically, we could go back and forth on on whether or not there should have been something done for employees and employers, because there's also the flip side of that coin. I'm sure you've heard where a lot of employers are trying to get people back and they don't want to come back because now they're making additional money on unemployment with the additional money that they've given through the unemployment benefits. Yeah. 
I don't care what side of the political aisle anybody falls on. It, this was a tough situation, no matter how you slice it and dice it. There was no one size fits all answer. I, I mean, I think, you know, the, the, I, there's been a lot of positives for small business. I would have done some things a little differently, but, um, sure. you know, I, I'm seeing a lot more optimism now, certainly than I was, uh, you know, even 60 days ago, which is, which is good. Um, one other thing too, just to go back to it, cause I know Landon, you mentioned your restaurant, uh, client. One other key piece too with that, with PPP round two is for certain, and it's actually by NAICS code, but but restaurants qualify, is the criteria is actually 500 employees are under and you can actually get three and a half times an average payroll. So for those really, really hard hit industries like those in restaurant entertainment, they can actually even qualify for more funds. But for the vast majority of businesses, it's going to be that two and a half times. Yeah. And just off off the top of your head, are you, do you know what industries fall into that category? It's, you know what, so here's what's very interesting. And I looked at this, it's, it's not as logical as you would think. And these NAICS codes are kind of arcane as to what falls into it. And it also depends on what's filed on the, the industry. This is a, a tricky point. What service you provide that's listed on your tax return, that defines what code you operate under. So mm-hmm. actually found out that a client was not operating under the code they thought they were as far as the IRS is concerned. Thankfully, it didn't matter for them regardless related to this. But um, that's something I'd look into that's, that's unique to each business. But check your tax return because that's what's going to, uh, to dictate that. Yeah, okay. But overall, it's essentially travel, hospitality, mm-hmm. restaurants. The, the hardest hit, correct. Exactly. And then, like I said, there were some channeled, I think there was 15 billion tar, uh, for like entertainment venues and, and other hard hit in addition to PPP. But they've clearly tried to get very targeted, very focused with with the the, uh, the businesses that need it the most. And they, and they started out too, you know, the way this has gone. So originally, it was only available to to lenders that were really serving kind of the underserved areas of the community. So some of the smaller businesses, some of the underserved, you know, minority communities that that weren't getting the attention the last time around. So I think the government was very intentional that they they started with the least served, then worked up to to the smaller banks who again were serving more the community type businesses, and it just today opened up to everyone. So they've been very very um, methodical in the way this is rolled out, which again it, it's it's where the need is. Yeah. So is there? Anything that as business owners that we all need to be aware of, Ryan, when it comes to forgiveness and the the, the application for forgiveness for round one, you know, in regards to applying for round two. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, I don't know. Are there any any anything we need to be aware of any pitfalls, just any any information there that would be pertinent? Yeah. So, so there's, there's a few criteria related to it. Now you, it doesn't to, to qualify for PPP two, you have to have gotten PPP one and you had to have used the funds. You do, do not, and this is important, do not have had to have already had those funds forgiven. So if you spent all that money and let's say used it up in October and you haven't applied for forgiveness yet, you can still apply for PPP two. There's no restrictions there. Um, So to some extent, forgiveness those two things are a little bit mutually exclusive. And actually, a, a number of banks even aren't taking forgiveness applications right now. They've kind of put that to the side so they can process new loans. But for a business that wanted to and could, there's you could you could apply for PPP2 tomorrow and forgiveness on Friday. Yeah. I want to I just mention something that just came to mind as you were uh, talking. You know, obviously, Austin and I and, and you, we have no 
affiliation or allegiance to any type of, you know, bank. Mm -hmm. However, you know, there are banks that uh, are a little bit more business owner friendly. So, um, you know, not, not to, not, not to knock any of the big banks because, you know, they, they do some good stuff for business owners, but uh, my, my, my question comment here is kind of, you know, are there certain types of banks that maybe uh, people should look at to consider? Because I know I've had several clients that have come to me and said, you know, I do my banking at ABC conglomerate and I can't even get in touch with anybody. So I'm going to go down to, you know, XYZ local bank and they were able to get in right away. So um, I don't know, maybe you have any thoughts or considerations there. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll give a little bit of a generalization, but I think it'll answer your question. I, I think so. So one thing that I have noticed that's changed this time around is in the first, first round of PPP, a lot of banks were taking loans for businesses that weren't clients prior to that. Fewer banks are doing it this round. And we've been in contact with a lot of banks on a routine basis. And I can just some of the ones we know, I can tell you we're in that boat where they're not taking it for non-customers right now, whether that's because of the demand or just the, you know, the time intensive nature of it. But I think to your point, there are a number of people that had a difficult experience this first go round getting the loan, maybe their bank wasn't providing the level of service they need. And, and I saw that, you know, from a, a variety of banks, I, I think I would categorize it this way. So it's the path of least resistance. It's going to be faster if it's a bank that already knows you. So, you know, there's a lot of companies out there that have multiple banks. And, and if you had a bad experience with one, but yet you have a relationship with another, that's probably helpful. If you don't, and you're looking at something brand new, I, I think you do need to find out who's accepting them. You know, the community banks in general have done a, I would say they've, they've done a more uh, on a broad scale, a, a better job in, in of, of managing through it. And I think part of it probably because they're more used to dealing with some of those more unique, smaller transactions. But, but I would leverage, first and foremost, I'd leverage the relationship. And, and we actually have a customer that's in that boat. They had two banks they worked with. They first time didn't go well. So they went to the other bank and they've been great in providing information. They've been very helpful. Because the other thing that's different this time around, and I can tell you this about one of the one of the decent sized banks that had some challenges in round one, they put together a very slick portal for round two that I think is going to be much, much more user friendly, better for the customer. So it's, it's something you've really got to weigh. I mean, it, the one thing I would say is there were folks there in the early going that ran into trouble that were applying at four banks. Be careful. I'm not going to tell you that don't do that under any circumstance, but, but that actually, you know, people are getting applications kicked and then going back in the queue and this money's not going to last forever either. So just make the best decision you can make sure you have somebody that you can talk to. The relationship is the most important thing. Um, you know, forget ultimately who's handing over the, the money to you. You want to have somebody in there who's advocating for you, who understands your business. And if it takes less time to get somebody up to speed, you know, the better off you are, even though it is a simplified process. Yeah, so let me <clears throat> let me weigh in, put my two cents in there, actually. So I, I've had a few clients, actually, that uh, received PPP funds in, in round one that ultimately had a terrible experience with their current bank at the time, right? And they've switched banks since because of it. Some of them, it was the bank that they ended up getting PPP financing through, and they just switched to that bank because they got it done for us, and, and I'm going to show my allegiance. Some of it was just, you know what, you couldn't come through for me when I needed you. 
And so why should I stick with you? And so they switched to a more community business owner oriented bank, right? And essentially I'd given them a couple of different options to interview and they chose one or two of the, uh, of the uh, options I gave them. But the last thing that I, and, and it was essentially the larger banks that weren't ready. You're right this time. I'm sure they're ready. They've figured it out. They don't want to miss out on the opportunity the second time around. And relationships are important. Ryan, there is just a, a, an overwhelming amount of information around these programs. And uh, not everybody is uh, as fortunate as we are as our clients are, as your clients are, to have somebody like you that has spent numerous hours and a lot of time and money and resources staying up to date on all these changes. So for for the the business owners that are listening that uh, don't have somebody like Orion Weissmuller, you know, on their team, what do they do? Where do they go? How do they stay informed with all these changes that are coming out? What feels like by the hour? Mm -hmm. Well, one thing I would point everyone to, and I and I think there's the the interesting thing that we've run into a lot with with all these different you know government regulation changes and bills and so forth, even going back to when this all started in March, is there was there was a ton of information out there. Some of it was conjecture, some of it was slightly off contextually, some of it was just plain wrong. But it 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 has made a you know more than one CEO's head spin through all this, and and understandably so. One place I will tell you that that has been a very good source of information is the SBA itself, uh, the SBA.gov, their website. They actually update and keep um, FAQs that they provide uh, on a fairly routine basis. Now, interestingly, they have not updated those since December 9th. I checked that as of this morning. So my guess is there's going to be another wave of those that comes out. But But basically, every time there's been material changes to the program, you can go and just read those last, I think they're on number 53 or 54, if I recall. You can just read the ones after that and kind of understand specific changes. And again, that's the SBA putting it out. They're the ones ultimately administrating the program. So that's straight from the horse's mouth. So that would be one that I would encourage people to go to. It's easy to find, easy to get. And they've actually done a, a good job, the SBA has of that. The applications are all up there. Eventually, Austin, as you were talking about, that new forgiveness form for the 150K loans and under will be on the SBA website. So that that's always a place just to go check, look for updates, et cetera. Now, you can Google search it and find lots of information, um, but I'll, I'll, give you a, I'll just give you a great example. This is why you got to be careful. I read something that was from a fairly reputable source that said you can look at um, quarter over quarter revenue and you get to pick the quarters. So somebody could say April through July over of 2020 versus April of July of 2019. Well, the bill, and again, I read it, says very clearly calendar quarter, January to March, April to June, et cetera. So that's a, a group that's putting out information that's just misleading. So that's where you've got to be extremely careful and make sure, you know, some of those details are really important. The next, the next place I'd go and is the one we just talked about, your lender relationship. So, so whether that is a, a Lendio or, you know, a bank like many people, um, you know, hopefully they're banker and maybe they're not the direct point of contact, but can at least point them to the bank resources. Now, a number of banks, I mean, my inbox has been blown up, have done a good job sending out, you know, information updates. Here's what's happening with our portal, et cetera. But, but for a lot of businesses, there are, there are nuances to it. You know, there's, there's little tweaks involved. I'll, I'll, I'll give you another example. We've got a client, you know, like I told you, that was in that reapplication process where they got, didn't get enough funds in their first round of PPP. There's not an application out there for that yet. The SBA has has iterated and reiterated that that exists. We don't know where to go. So literally had a conversation with their lender 
And basically they kind of walked us through, this is what, you know, this is what you're going to do initially. And if something changes, it changes and, and, you know, we'll go. So that relationship to be able to get answers to some of those questions that aren't as obvious, I would definitely maximize that because the lenders are still on the front line of this thing. And, and one thing that I think is important for all the business owners to remember out there, the lenders are here to help. So, so this money going to their clients, it benefits them. It benefits their clients because obviously they want healthier clients. But, but at the end of the day, they also want their clients to get these loans forgiven. So everybody is kind of aligned in, a, in an interesting way to get all this done. So, so the lenders are very much inclined to give you good information. And then the last piece that I would, I would check in in my experience, it's been a very good source is your CPA. It may be a small firm, but they probably have resources to some larger libraries. Certainly a lot of the larger firms and, and you know, regional firms have been putting out a ton of good information. Those three areas, you should be able to get just about everything you need to know. Just be cautious. Um, well, my neighbor did this, or I read this on, you know, I saw this on a Google search because I, I've just seen it enough where that information may not apply directly or it may not even be right. And, and again, the last thing you want to do is make a simple mistake and get a loan kicked back, you know, which, which again, it may, you may submit it, find out you get it kicked back a week later and then have to rush and scramble. And I, I don't think the money's gonna be gone in a week, but it's not gonna be, not gonna be around forever. Yeah. Very, very good advice. I mean, I, like you even said, I mean, even the source that you got it from is a reputable source, but they had misread mm -hmm. or potentially just mistyped what they meant in their explanation of the program. So it, it is important if possible to go directly to the source and, and work with good advisors. And, and I think that that applies to even beyond just applying for the new money, but forgiveness as well, because, you know, we talked about this simplified form coming out with the 150 K. And I think that's, again, that should be very, very straightforward. What there was no change to was any of the larger loans. We know that loans 2 million and up are automatically getting essentially audited by the SBA. But for those yeah. larger loans, there's still some questions out there of, um, you know, one of the SBA on the SBA site, it tells you that they're evaluating need both before and after the loan. Somewhat vague, but what exactly does that mean? Again, your lender's going to know because they're the ones that are going to be collecting that information. So work with them. How do you make their life as easy as possible by getting them what they need? They're incented to, to help you get that forgiveness because they don't want these loans sitting on their books forever. But, but reach out to them on the forgiveness side too, because, and that's whoever gave you the original loan. So if you're switching lenders, you still have to apply for forgiveness by whoever's on the paper that, that gave you that, that first PPP loan. So I've got an interesting question that uh, fits with one of my clients that I think is probably a fairly common situation in the, in the small business owner community. So what if in round one, you took a PPP loan for one of your entities but another entity was doing just fine. And so you didn't apply for PPP at that point. Can you still apply for PPP one for the other entity and then PPP two for the first entity that you took PPP one for? So, so there are rules around the affiliations and it relates to employee counts and control and those kinds of things. But so I'll, I'll, give, you a, I'll give you a fairly generic answer, but in most cases, the answer is yes. And so is the, the caveat to it again with that. So if, if an entity got PPP one and they meet the criteria for PPP two, they can apply. Now to your other question, maybe, maybe they didn't take the money because they weren't sure they needed it and then realized 60 days in, they really did. They can go back and apply for PPP one, but again, they're going to have to testify to the need. So they're going to have to provide demonstration that the funds were needed because that's, that's really what the government is trying to make sure of this time around is 
they're not just giving the money to people who apply for it, but to people whose business has actually suffered some kind of adverse effect. Um, yeah. But in, in general, I mean, I, I would certainly, you know, without all, knowing all the details, my inclination would be strongly to, to certainly apply for it. Are there broad themes that you're seeing in the market now about this legislation, you know, finally being passed? I mean, are you seeing, let me rephrase that. So obviously there are themes that are going to, that have emerged in the last couple of weeks specifically, but I do want to hone in specifically on a comment you made maybe 20 or 30 minutes ago about you interacting with your clients and everybody kind of having a, a more positive outlook of what the future looks like. So let's talk about the themes that you're seeing in the market now, specifically to this small business relief, and then just overall what you're hearing from your business owner clients about 2021 and beyond. Sure. I, I think the biggest thing, and, and I, I, think I've, I think I mentioned this earlier in, in this conversation, but I know I say it all the time, the entrepreneurial spirit is still as strong as it's ever been. So, you know, even during the throes of this and some of what you read, um, I don't ever think Main Street was as in bad a shape as, as some people would lead you to believe. Now, now saying that, I know people who have lost a ton, you know, through this process. It has not been an easy ride. But that's different between laying down and giving up the fight, because what I've seen is Main Street has fought back and Main Street's winning. So I am still I I think there is a good sense of optimism. I think for a lot of businesses, you know, this was a shot in the arm. Um, So so maybe if you look at it, you know, PPP one for a lot of companies kept the doors open. This is really what's going to allow PP or what's going to allow these businesses with PPP two to to really continue to stabilize and and hopefully to get to a point where they're thriving very very soon. So I think that's I think that's one piece. I think the other thing you're seeing too though, and and it it goes in line with that optimism is I think there's still some pent up demand. There, there's obviously a sense of relief of this legislation finally being behind us. And again, regardless which side the political aisle you fall on, just the fact that all this election stuff is behind us, I realize there's still some discord in Washington, but at least at least we've taken some steps forward. There's a vaccine now. I think in general, I'm having more and more conversations with CEOs who who can actually at least in their minds, I see an end to some of this. So they're willing to start thinking about some decisions, thinking about propelling some things forward. Um, so I think in, in general, that that optimism. And, and the other thing that's that's definitely out there is is companies are making it happen. And, and so the thing I tell a lot of, you know, I, I have the conversation with our clients and others is, if you're not doing it, your competitor might be. So So what do you need to be doing right now to move the ball forward? And there's nothing wrong with an intentional pause you need to stop at base camp every now and then, but you better decide if you're hiking up the mountain or down the mountain, but, but don't stand still because you'll get past if you do. And, and I think that's definitely happening out there too, is there are companies very, very hard hit by this that are, are, are moving forward, trudging again, have figured out how to navigate in this new environment. And, and let's be real, it's created a lot of opportunities. I mean, look at e-commerce, look at, you know, there, there's going to be some industries that, that have been disrupted, and it'll be very interesting to see where they go. But but there have been some real opportunities elsewhere that um, uh, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity to be taken advantage of. And we're seeing companies do that on a regular routine basis. And I have been really impressed by the level of innovation that has occurred. Yeah, I would even go as far as to say that companies that weren't affected at all, like not even one iota from a, from a revenue standpoint, have taken a look in the mirror and realized, gosh, I was on cruise control and it's time for me to do things a little bit differently so that I can take my business from here to here over the next decade. Mm -hmm. And if I make some small tweaks now because this made me think about it, 
I'm going to be, you know, better off because of it. And so will the economy and so will my employees. And so will, you know, it, it's a, it's a, what's the word I'm looking for? Domino effect, right? So I, I completely agree with that. And, and really, like you said, even a business that wasn't directly affected, just seeing something like COVID come out of nowhere, rip the bandaid off for a lot of businesses and, and maybe something you're willing to ignore six months ago because things were fine and, you know, we could get by without it. You know, maybe that tire was just a little bit flat. They're looking at all four wheels now. And, and I think that, again, is a very, just that intentionality, that, that focus in some areas, a little bit maybe more of a focus on execution. And again, flexing that entrepreneurial muscle, that's all, that's all good. I mean, that's going to help us going forward. Yeah, understanding that there's a different way to do things. I mean, there, there's just a lot of, of good that eventually will come out of this or already has come out of it. You know, I mean, I'll just give an example of, of our business. I mean, Landon and I's business, when the market tanked in the middle of March, a lot of people in our business would would feel like going into this cocoon and avoiding the phone, right? And if you if you don't do that, and you get proactive and you reach out to your to your clients and you talk to them and you say by the way I do these Zoom meetings now I know we were scheduled to do this it's not a, it's not a good idea for us to meet in person right now but I'd still like to have our review call and go through certain things it's given me an opportunity I've been doing this for 20 years it's given me an opportunity to look at my business in a completely different way and realize you know what going forward I can actually be more efficient than I was before I can serve my clients better than I was serving them before. And guess what? Revenue is going to increase because of it. Mm -hmm. And my business will be on a different trajectory because of it. I wasn't affected nearly as much as a lot of people could have been. Matter of fact, I mean, this is going to sound braggadocious, not meant that way. The the revenue for my practice increased by 30% in 2020. And I attribute it 100% to being proactive and changing the way that I did things between March 15th and probably call it May 15th. I made a couple of small tweaks and a small decisions to be proactive. And I paid, I, I received the dividends of that throughout the rest of the year. And there are a lot of other business owners that have done or can do the exact same thing. It's, and I, and I think the piece you touched on too, and, and this is where I'm seeing businesses really win the the concept of value you, you can't just sell your product anymore it's 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 what value are you bringing because i don't care what kind of an, if you're a virtual environment or an in person analog environment <laughs> value doesn't change you recognize value the way you deliver it might be slightly different but value is value and the ones we're winning just like you talked about there may be having the tough conversations there may be you know doing things for clients that uh, that other businesses won't maybe their competitors won't uh, but driving that value is winning. And and so I, I guess that'd be one thing I would say too for the business owner out there is think of different ways that you can deliver value because there's still a premium on it and that's not going anywhere, regardless of what happens with the economy, the pandemic, et cetera. Yep, absolutely. I want to jump in real quick because uh, you guys um, were talking about something that I think is uh, really important. So I want to make a comment and I'll follow up with a question, Ryan. As we as we come out of the, the pandemic and the 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 true entrepreneurs and, and innovators and disruptors, you know, they're they're looking for opportunities to provide value to grow their firms. One of the things that Ryan and his team does is that they assess 
that growth that you want to take advantage of in your business. But then they, they, you guys help them to construct a plan around that because if a business owner says, oh yeah, I want to, I want to grow my profitability X percentage. I want to grow my revenue two, three, four, five X. I want to hire these people. I want to expand. I want to do this. I want to do that. And you, you sit down and you say, okay, well, how exactly are you going to do that? How are you going to, you know, where, where's the capital going to be allocated? You know, what, what are you going to do here? What are you going to do there? And one of the things that Ryan and his team does is they, they build that plan for you so that you can innovate, you can grow, you can provide additional value. So that is an unsolicited and an unplanned uh, plug for you and your team, Ryan. But again, people that don't have a Ryan Weissmuller on their bench and they do want to, they, they do want to grow. They do want to provide additional value. They do want to expand as they come out. We, as we come out of the pandemic, Ryan, what are some suggestions, some comments, some resources that these business owners can can look to, assuming that they're not already working with you and your team? Sure. I, I think there's a few things, and I'll start with one that's very easy that any business owner can do, and that's ask lots of questions. Um, and, and you were just talking about growth, and the first two questions I would ask almost immediately is, okay, here's my growth target. Why? Because it's important to understand why that is the target, and, and, and is it the right target? And sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. And then the second piece is, okay, how do you get there? I, I think those are the places to start because it is, as you said, it's a path and it's never a straight linear path. It's a very windy, windy road. And, and the key is knowing it's a windy road. You just want to make sure you have the guardrails up to keep you from falling off the cliff because you're going to run into the sides. But, but, but asking lots of questions, challenging yourself, talking to your team, you know, are, are you equipped to get you to that level? Understanding, do you have the systems? Do you have the people? Uh, do you have the capital, you know, to, to get there? Or maybe it's a case we, we literally were just, we've, we've been having this conversation with a client for the last month or so, and he's actually pulled his growth goals back because what it was going to take him to get to, you know, he wanted to get to level two. We were talking about level one, what it was going to take him, what he was going to have to give up, what he was going to have to sacrifice to get to level two wasn't worth it for him. And, and that was part of a discussion of really going through, you know, dissecting that, understanding that. And, and your team is often great at helping you realize that, yeah, uh, yeah, Mr. or Mrs. Business Owner, we don't, we, we, we can't get there. We don't have enough. I can't get these sales for you that quickly. Um, you know, the wheels are already falling off the bus with what we're doing. So I think really looking inside internally in the organization is, is, is first and foremost. And then the other thing, you know, a, a great tool that, that we use around it, and you can do it very rudimentarily, is, is just have a, have a plan, have a financial plan, put a roadmap down on paper. So if we're trying to grow our sales from 5 million to 15 million, and that means our profit goes from here to here, okay, how much headcount do we think that that means we need to go, uh, you know, to grow by? Um, can, our, can our system even process that much volume? When you start really putting some of those simple things down on paper and then realizing, because it's, it's not as though you can just say, yeah, we're going to tack on another 5 million of sales on what we have today. Very few businesses can do that. So when you, when you put some of those things down on paper, it gets very, very real. And then that also gives you a very stark look to be able to say, yeah, you know what, we, we can't get there. Or, or maybe, and we run into this too, we had a real life situation where a business owner, he wanted to grow his sales by 30%. Well, when you looked at what it was going to take, because for them to sell in some different channels and do some other things, add infrastructure, et cetera, they were making more, more money, but they were giving up a lot of margin to get that growth. 
it wasn't necessarily worth it. So the focus was let's grow with the right business. Let's grow our bottom line, not our top line. And that be the focus. So again, it's, it's why that target is important. And, and I think challenging things first, challenging them throughout the process and just putting some stuff to paper is, is hugely, hugely powerful. So you question the heck out of it. You memorialize it. You question the heck out of it. Some more wash, rinse, repeat that that's probably the, the single best thing that any business out there can do. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. I, I think ants asking all those questions eventually gets you to the right question, right? Mm-hmm. Which will then ultimately get you to the right answer because I'm reminded of Mike McCallowitz that was on the program about six months ago that, that came, you know, and talked about his book profit first. Right. And, and it reminds me of a, of a transaction that I was involved in maybe six or seven years ago. And the seller of this business kept focusing on the revenue numbers. The revenue is this, the revenue is this, the revenue is this. And they were focusing specifically on December holiday revenues for this business right? Being $600,000. Well, fast forward five years later, that business was ultimately purchased, but it went from 600,000 in revenue in the December prior to the acquisition to $600,000 in annual revenues. But guess what? It made more profit than it did with the 600,000 in December revenues. Mm -hmm. And so it it really is about understanding why you want to get where you want to get and does it make sense to even do it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you've got to understand, you know, I, I hate to use this phraseology, but you've got to understand your why behind it, right? Landon and I had a call earlier today with a prospective client and he, he t- told us that his ultimate, if somebody offered him $50 million for his business today, he'd sell it today, right? And Landon's follow-up question as it should have been was, why did you choose that number? right? Why does that number mean anything to you? And, and actually, I was surprised that he had a response to that because most don't. Mm-hmm. He just kind of picked this number out of, out of the sky. But he said, well, because after taxes, I'll have $20 million left. And I've got a, and with 5% per year, I'm making a million dollars a year without working. So at least he had thought it through, right? And I didn't expect him to have thought it through. But there's a, you, you've got to ask all those questions to get to what the ultimate question is, which will then lead to the ultimate answer. Yep. And I, I think that it's a powerful thing that gets missed an awful lot in the business community today. It, it does. And that sales scenario too is a very common, you know, a, a lot of business owners say that, well, I want to sell my business. Okay, well, for what? And, and what does it take you to get to that sale price? And I just had that conversation with another business owner. He had kind of an unsolicited offer for a company that he knew and it wasn't near enough. And so, you know, in, in going back and revisited it and, and we all came to the conclusion and, and, you know, he got to it that I'm better off just running this business, maximizing my profit. And if somebody comes along and strokes a big enough check, that's fine. I'm getting out, but I, I'm not just going to do this to sell it for a price that's not ultimately going to make me happy. So I, I think you're hundred percent right. I'm glad yeah. he had it. I'm glad he had it thought out though. Cause I agree with you. Most of the time it's, uh, it, the, the why behind the number is, uh, is, is very mysterious. Yeah. Yeah. He, he did have it thought out. And and that's the thing is a lot of people want to just be able to tell somebody that they sold their business for 10 million bucks or 20 million bucks. Well, that's great. But if you could have made more money by just continuing to run the business and and extracting a million and a half or 2 million a year in profits, then why sell it? Mm -hmm. Yep. Totally agree. Well, um, Ryan, as we, we push up against time here, um, you know, I, I don't know, maybe, let me 
let you decide what, what you think is most important to share. In our remaining, call it you know five or six minutes, should we talk about um, any expectations for additional programs now that uh, Joe Biden and his team are, are, are taking over? Or do you think it would be more valuable to uh, just talk a little bit uh, more in general about some advice that you're providing to business owners to, to move forward? Yeah, I think let's go broad and I can answer your first question very simply, which is I wouldn't bank on it. There's going to be more money that goes out through the economy, but as far as targeted money to the small business community, I'm not planning on it. We're not seeing a lot of buzz around it. So, you know, again, except for maybe those really hard hit businesses. So we'll, that's an easy one. I, I think in general, then some considerations. So one thing I would say is for businesses out there that are going to get PPP2 and following right along that is, is treat this money to last. So if, if you're going to get this loan and for a lot of companies, um, you know, we're actively involved in a number of them. I, I think it's, it's going to be a, a great opportunity, but it's, it's a bridge to the economy reopening in a more full manner. And, and that's how I would treat it. That's how I advise business owners to treat it. Um, you know, don't, keep some reserves on hand, be, still be a little bit cautious, you know, use this to really turn this money into revenue dollars. Um, uh, you know, and, and even if, even if it, that means not making some decisions to, to bring everything back to full speed right away, that may be in the best interest of the business, even though that's a tough decision. So, so number one, kind of treat it, treat it like it's your last dollar. I, I think the other thing, and we, and we touched on this a little bit is just what is with all this relief? So depending on the customer you serve. So let's say that you're a provider to the restaurant or entertainment space. Understanding what this new legislation does potentially to your customer. Does this allow them to buy more? Understanding what this might do to your competitor. You know, what are the, what are the secondary and tertiary effects of this bill? I think that's really, really important. And that's not often a step that, that we all naturally take, right? We're, we're so focused on, on being, in, being in our own businesses and kind of keeping things running. Um, but I think understanding that, because that's also going to help you understand where you go with your business in certainly 2021 and maybe beyond is, are your customers getting healthier where maybe they can buy more? You know, maybe your customers are in a position where they can pay you a little bit quicker. Maybe, maybe you're, you've gotten deferred with some of your customers. Let's again, go back to that, to that restaurant mm -hmm. example. So, so taking a deep breath and understanding what does this, what does this allow you to do as well as, I mean, obviously the, the simple answer is I would, I would map out what you're going to do with the money yourself in your own four walls. But outside of that, I, I think the, the, the trickle down effect, the domino effect, uh, to reference something we talked about earlier is, is going to be very powerful and very important. So, so that's something I would definitely, uh, definitely say to keep in focus. And, and then, you know, I, I hit on it, but I'd say it again is just take intentional action. I use a lot of analogies. They're very popular in our shop, but, but know where you are and know where you're going. So it's okay to take a break. You know, maybe you get your PPP2 money and you just take a break and pause for a second. We're going to let a little bit of dust lie, especially here in Arizona where, you know, we're still apparently the worst place to be in the world. And maybe you do pause for a moment, take a breath, but do it for a reason. Uh, and, and maybe you do need to, to, to go back down the mountain a little bit to go to a lower base camp. That may be fine too. Maybe you're going to scale that mountain, but scale it a little bit more slowly just do it intentionally, but take action. Because again, like I talked about, the entrepreneur is not going to stop. They're not going to slow down. Uh, most entrepreneurs aren't going to wait for the government to do anything further for them. A lot of them weren't waiting at this point. I mean, there were a lot of companies that I'm sure you guys saw it too, that just clawed tooth and nail to get where they wanted to and, and needed to. So I think take action, uh, be intentional. And, and the last thing I would say, and this is more to all of us, go support small business. Uh, it is still a tough time out there. I mean, go get takeout from a local restaurant. 
you know, try to support the people out there, try to support those fellow entrepreneurs. We, we owe it to them because there's a lot of people out there unsung every day that are just grinding to keep their doors open. Uh, you know, go see your dry cleaner because let me tell you, their business has been suffering. You know, take care of small business around us. We, we all owe that. I couldn't agree with you anymore if I tried. I mean, it's funny you mentioned the dry cleaner because I remember walking into my own dry cleaner and his eyes lit up because I was carrying clothes in <laughs> instead of just picking clothes up, right? And uh, it, it, they really have been hit hard because nobody's getting dressed up anymore. They're not going to the office. And so they, they have certainly been hit hard. We don't think about them. We do think about the the restaurants. We think about you know, the airlines, the cruise lines, all those sorts of things. But um, it is it is truly the local small business owners that that need our support and uh, and we need to get out there and do it. So I, I think if, if there's a theme from today's show, it's ask a lot of questions, have good people around you who can help you get to the right answer that aren't just yes men and women who are, you know, telling you what you want to hear but who are, are willing to be able to have a conversation with you about what you should be doing to run your business more efficiently going forward. We've learned some lessons throughout this. It wasn't a lesson that I ever wanted or expected to learn myself after 20 years in business, but I do think that it's, that it's helped us all and that we will be the better for it. I want to remind our audience uh, how lucky they are to have a guest like Ryan Weissmuller to come on the show and to share this information with them. We're happy and grateful to call Ryan a partner of the show and a real advocate for the show. You're gonna hear from him more going forward. You'll also be able to hear from him in the newsletters that we put out. Uh, he'll help us with some different uh, articles and so forth. So we, we really look forward to a, a closer partnership with you throughout uh, 2021 and beyond as well. Thank you guys, appreciate it. Thanks so much again for having me. Yeah, thanks Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, proudly hosted by Austin Peterson and Landon Mance. Austin and Landon are comprehensive financial planning professionals specializing in financial, estate, and succession planning for small business owners. Austin and Landon have offices in Scottsdale, Arizona, and Las Vegas, Nevada, and represent clients in 14 states throughout the country. Join Austin, Landon, and the Featured Tycoons live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. right here on Business Radio X and your favorite podcast platform.